Hello everyone and welcome to the Rouge Rugby Podcast where we talk about real Canadian rugby. I'm Stu Hardy, joined as always by Derek Brissett, but for this episode we have two extra guests joining us. They are the co-founders of the new Vancouver Highlanders, Curry Hitchborn and Ralph McRae. Curry, Ralph, thank you both for joining us on the podcast today. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us. And Now, Curry, this is your second appearance on the podcast. And normally when we have guests on, we have a few questions we ask them at the beginning. So unfortunately, I'm going to slump, not to be rude, but ignore you for a moment and direct these questions at Ralph. And so, Ralph, what got you started in rugby to begin with? Um, a failed basketball career. <laughs> and um, and wandering around at UBC, and uh, some people came up to me and said, "Hey, we need a lock." And I said, "What's the lock?" And then, well, it started from there. And then what happened was I I, I didn't uh, I didn't play all that much. I I was in the Army Reserve at the time, play, you know, paying my way through school. And then I um, and then uh, when I got into law school, a group of friends uh, played rugby, and we started uh, the law school rugby team at the time, which is still going 45 years later. So that's, that's my, my connection. And after that, I went to play some club down at uh, the UBC old boys. And then, um, and then that kind of ended in the, you know, I don't know, mid, uh, mid eighties. Um, and then I got back involved again when my sons played and, um, and that's how I met Curry. You kind of said there that you played for like the UBC, like law school, like rugby team. Is that separate from like, and it still exists. Is that separate well, from the uh, the totally separate? And how does that work? Well, it, it was a bunch of guys sitting around, probably should have been studying and wanted to have some fun. So <laughs> we started this rugby team, and we we toured up and down the West Coast, uh, went down as far as San Diego, played teams in between. Um, I'd like to say that it's not a selective memory. I don't remember really losing. Uh, we played all these college <laughs> teams on the way down. We had some very very good players. Um, you know, one of whom was Candace, uh, 15 at the time, a guy named Henry Edmonds, um, some extremely good athletes, uh, some guys had played at UVic and that before. So that worked out well. And when, when an article came out about the Highlanders, uh, the fellow who's a current organizer for the team contacted me and wanted to know a bit, a bit about the history and past. And I sent him an old picture of the team from the, from the early eighties and, um, and, you know, sort of, uh, it was good to hear that it was still going on. So really, I, I guess, uh, pretty close to, uh, to 44, 45 years that team's been going. Well, that's really cool. Um, I, so I actually, how many rugby teams are there at UBC? That was there's the Thunderbirds, back. there's the old Ravens, there's the legal. Yeah, no. So, so, so what you've got is you've got two men's and women's programs. Okay. You've got the men's first 15, the men's second 15. You've got the women's first 15, the bar- so that's a varsity program. Then you've got a club affiliate made up of students that don't compete, uh, sorry, that compete in the club league as opposed to the U Sport League. And that would be the Vancouver Thunderbirds, I think they're called. So there are two men's, two women's programs. The Old Boy Ravens was a club started by Rick Bourne, um, Spence McTavish, and they're going to kill me. I forget the other fellow's names. Uh, they started a club down the end of the hill because they didn't want to join any of the other local rugby clubs. So the Ravens are a club that was supported outside of. So there are four clubs. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Nah, no wonder you guys are so good. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So obviously, uh, Ralph, you, you mentioned that um, you got recruited um, after the basketball career to be a lock. I'm assuming that's because you're really tall. 
um, as most uh, rug that's how most rugby teams do their recruiting, I believe. It's just, um, but uh, like so obviously like those guys that recruited you there obviously would have had a big impact on your uh, rugby, you know, rugby career. Has there been anybody else that's like influ has been influential in your like rugby journey up until this point? Um, well, anybody that's been influential probably more my sons and and watching them play and then you know seeing how they evolved uh, you know as men through the sport. And that, and that really, for me, was the most impactful part of rugby on me. If I was to look back over over the years, I mean, there was players that that you know that I saw play, you know, back in what really must have been the heyday of Canadian rugby back in the seventies and eighties, um, which were uh, you know some pretty outstanding athletes. Um, but for me, the, the most impactful thing was just being involved in the sport and in the governing bodies uh, and trying to contribute to that as they went through from you know, from, you know, grade school to eighth grade programs uh, in Canada and, uh, for my youngest guy into the U.S. Okay. And when it comes to watching uh, players um, compete on the pitch, every time someone steps or has stepped onto the pitch, who do you love to watch play? Oh, and, you know, oh. and of course you can mention your sons, but, yeah, you know, we've just had the uh, yeah, men's rugby yeah. world cup as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah, don't mention them twice. Any, they don't, they don't, oh, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do that. And, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and I get I get some texts pretty quickly here if I did. Um, <laughs> uh, even at Sabeth, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind okay. that that I I go and I, uh, I I like watching him uh, compete, and um, he's 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 always. You know he's always in there, and he's always he's and he's always tough, and he always sticks in. And I think there's a part of him that raises the the metal of that team up. Um, and um, you know people like people like that. I've always kind of watched. There was a fellow who played in the '70s in uh, for the UBC Old Boys named Roe Heinsen, who uh, who was a bit of a legend. You know, 30, 40 caps for Canada back in the day, and and he was a similar type of player, but. Uh, no, but even to, to be that that big and that athletic at the same time is uh, is uh, is pretty striking for me. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. It's like every every time we do these uh, these podcasts, we kind of those are like our our questions that we ask everybody every time there's a new guest, and every single time without fail, somebody picks a player that plays their position. There's never been anybody that's ever answered. We've never had a forward say like their favorite player is Dan Carter or something. We've never had anybody pick somebody not in their position. So I'm glad that you have continued that great. And there you go. There you go. No <laughs> imagination. Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, we'll uh, kind of continue on the podcast here now that we've uh, gotten to know Ralph a little bit. Um, so obviously the reason you guys are here is you are the two co-founders of the Vancouver Highlanders, a new team based out of Vancouver. Um, and you know, there's been a, a bit of media on you guys. Patrick Johnston wrote and wrote an article, um, you know, kind of introducing the team. Um, you got your uh, websites up and looking solid. Um, but I guess, you know, to just to kind of kick things off very broadly, what are the Vancouver Highlanders? Well, <laughs> how do you say this in a sentence? Um, you can use more than one sentence. Okay. I'll, I'll do other more one sentence. Let, let, let me tell you a little story about how we got going perhaps. And, yeah. Um, you know, I, I woke up as I often do early in the morning and I I was wondering whatever happened to the the attempt uh to get an MLR team into into Vancouver. Okay. And I went and looked around and I remembered Curry was involved and because he'd and I'd lost touch a little for, for a year or two. 
And then I and then you know that next day I phoned him and I said, you know, what are you what are you doing? And he says, Oh, I'm going to UBC for to watch a, some age grade stuff. And I said, Oh, okay. He says, Well, why don't you come out? So I I I looked pretty close, so I drove out and um we stood on the sidelines uh, of the game and within about 15 minutes, the concept for the Grizzlies was formed or the Grizzlies, pardon me, the, the Highlanders was formed. And, um, yeah, since the old basketball teams just never go away. Um, so, so we, we had, we had this idea and then we sat down and, and I said, the you know, we need a mission statement. And, you know, it basically came down something simple, basically the professional development of the person through rugby. And that means something broadly for us, which is perhaps different from what other teams would, would be focused on. We would like men to come and join our program and not just focus on rugby. We want them to learn how to be better people, how to be better support themselves in future lives, be better prepared to meet what, what's going to come and face them in the world. And at the same time, play the highest level of rugby that's available you know, in North America. And so we want to attract good people. We want people to come and join us because they want to come and join us and be part of something like this. And so then we went forward and we said, well, look, you know, there's a lot of talk about rugby. What's professional? What's amateur? What's semi-pro? What's this and what's that? And my contribution to this, as I said to Curry, I said, most people define what's a professional organization by whether they pay their players or not. And, and that's a cloudy definition for me. And it was made so during this whole period of amateurism and the Olympics and everything like that. It's whether the organization from top to bottom can consider itself to be professional. And our goal with, with the Highlanders is to be a professional organization from top to bottom. And that means doing things in a particular way and, and organizing ourselves where we take responsibility for things develop them and take care of the end of the day of the focus of what we're doing, which are the players themselves. So if you were to come and just, just to give you an example of that, if you were to come and play for the Highlanders, you wouldn't have to worry about things like dispersal drafts and, and drafts per se and things like that. You know, if you sign an agreement with us and you want to leave and go somewhere else two weeks and you're gone, uh, if you need to go earlier, you want to play for your you want to play for your men's team, uh, for for your country. Uh, go, we're honored to help you do that. If you if you decide you get the the job of your life, the dream job of your life, go. If you don't for some reason like the way we're doing things, go. Right? And we want people to be around us who want to be around us, and you know we can talk here at some point if you'd like about you know what happens in in professional sports leagues. And as they're, as they're called and, and what happens and how rugby and everything is structured. But we're trying to find a different way of doing this that allows the player to be the beneficiary of, of the game, a game that we all love. A game, I, you know, I, I listened to your podcast this morning and it's pretty apparent to me that you guys love the game. We all do. Um, you know, I would, I would wa rather watch, you know, a U14 um, rugby game than I would go and watch, uh, you know, the Super Bowl. So uh, you know, there's there's things like that that I that I I I I want this whole organization and so does Curry to be, and I can tell you one final thing before I pause is that there's no person on earth I would have done this with rather than than Curry, and that is because, uh, and I think you saw that in the interview you did with him, his belief in in people, how this sport can improve their lives and 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 make them better. So so I hope that's some sort of an answer for you.
yeah yeah obviously uh obviously way more than one sentence but that's that's good <laughs> i think that's uh that was needed to convey the proper <laughs> message for the uh, for the detail there um so i i, I guess uh, like a couple questions to like maybe kind of follow up in um you kind of mentioned um like a few things there that are like so your definition of like the professional organization is based on, I guess, how like the organization is structured, like from, as you said, top to bottom there. Um, are, is one of you able to kind of elaborate on to like how your organization, like how you're going to structure that, um, what that actual, what in your mind that professional structure looks like within the Vancouver Islanders and maybe even like how that's going to impact the players versus, you know, maybe playing somewhere else. Let me let me talk let me talk about the business side of it first, and then Curry can talk about the the player side because that's kind of how it's structured. Um, so, a, a club, a team, it's a business, hmm. and and businesses have to be structured financially so that they succeed over the course of time. And that may you know the Vancouver Highlanders are a not for profit organization. That doesn't mean they're a charity. That just means that we, if we turn a profit in our business, we will find a way to get the money back to the players and the coaches and the staff that, that have helped us get us there. Uh, it's not some some deal for for Ralph to get rich. It's not some deal for Ralph's ego to, to fuel. It's not some deal, some deal like this. I'm doing this because I want to have fun. But the organization itself has to be self-sustaining. It has to have a structure that has consistent sources of of revenue that actually relate to positive net contributions, bottom line, et cetera. And then what we do and how we do it, everything has to work in a certain way and be repeatable by the people who are in the business. They have to understand systems. They have to understand how things work. And that's where I think what we are doing and how we're approaching is slightly different than how I've seen other kind of rugby-centric organizations run. And, 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 and that, that's what I mean by this. So it has to be financially viable and stable. It has to have a business model that works, and uh, and we can talk about that more. Um, but it's uh, it has to do that. And then on the on the uh, personnel side of things, the rugby side of things, that you know Curry can weigh in and 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 let you know know his view on that. Right. So, one of the one of the largest hurdles I'd encountered in trying to get people to stay engaged in our sport was the fact that invariably they had to make a decision between rugby at a higher level and their job. Taking that into mind, listening to other people, we will be training four nights a week. Uh, that will be after regular working hours. So guys can manage their careers. They can manage their interests. They have time to do what they need to do. We'll look to offset their cost of living. And that'll compose of on-field, either indoors if weather needs, um, weather, weather needs or on grass, compiled with gym work, proper SSC, proper speed work, proper nutrition, and the rest of it. So what we're getting is we're getting people who are able to be in an environment that they normally would not be able to be in, just based on some of the constraints around some of the current environments that they may be in, while focusing on building up their professional lives to the best of their ability. Um, the, the lived experience of 20 years, of, I'm in my 20th year as someone involved in rugby here in Canada. Uh, I did 10 years at UBC, and in that 10 years at UBC, I looked at my conversion rate of varsity athletes coming through to playing at the next level, negligible at best. It's not a knock on those people. It's really not a knock on anything, just there was a dearth of opportunity. When Ralph and I met, and he and I, you know, very rarely do I stand next to people that are taller than I am, but I kind of look, I look up to the fellow in more ways than one, and one of the big pieces was is that he'd managed to 
helped me understand that it doesn't need to be this way. It doesn't need to be a, um, a lack of opportunity. It doesn't need to be this, oh, well, this is the way we've kind of always done it. So it's been very helpful for me. You know, I've been in a silo for 10 years at UBC. So to come up for air and speak to someone who maybe wasn't there and in my particular silo was incredibly helpful. And that gets translated into our on-field, our on-field work. We all have co- proper coaching staffs, proper unit coaches, the whole nine. It's going to be a setup that these people need, but it's a setup that they're able to use to complement their day-to-day. So um, I guess um, I'll, I'm going to borrow, um, I guess, a bit of a line from uh, the Patrick Johnston article, but um, he says that like not to call it professional, um, despite the fact that um, I guess you mentioned you are paying the players. Is that correct? Yes. Or is that it is correct? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> I guess um, and like, I guess like, so how does that structure work with you obviously are, it sounds like you are encouraging guys to obviously have their own jobs, their own careers in whatever field that may be, and then be a paid rugby player kind of on the side of that. Is that kind of what you're going for? And like, uh, I, I, I know I have yeah, vague, let, in, in I, layman's I, terms. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me try to flush that out for you. So hmm. if, if our goal is to provide that player with opportunity, Mm-hmm. then they are going to play for, I don't know, one year, five years, seven. It's, it's not going to be 20, right? Right. So so what we are trying to do is make sure that they're, while they're with us, they can focus their efforts on developing themselves. So we want to make sure they don't worry about the necessaries of life. They don't need to think about that stuff. They need to be able to go out, work on improving themselves within the game of rugby, improve themselves physically, also improve themselves from an an opportunity perspective. We will have an advisory board. We're pulling that together now. Those are people who probably have some rugby connection, but also are well-established in the community, doctors, lawyers, accountants, you know, plumbers, if you will, construction people, whatever, you know, and and so I don't, I don't care if someone comes here and wants to be, you know, an engineer, if it is, we'll try to help that person get the best engineering position they can through the people that we know. Um, but if they want to come here and and want to be a tradesman, I can't help them personally be a better tradesman, but I can teach them how to be, run a contracting company and make money doing it. Okay. So when you come to work with with us and 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 I call it I call it work because we're going to have opportunities for you to work within the organization as well. So everybody that comes here is going to have some operational bit. So they're not feeling it's not management and players. It's not this and that. Yeah. It's everybody's going to have some input. So whether or not you you and some crew that you're going to manage is responsible for field day setup, or you're going to be involved in social media, or you want to be involved in accounting, or you want to be involved in some other aspect of this. You get to participate in our organization. We'll also have opportunities where you can go and start businesses with your your teammates and you can see what it's like to run a business like that. Those are the types of things, the professional development aspects of this that I think are sadly lacking in the sport. And you mentioned a word a little while ago that I think is worth commenting on a bit, and that's the word pathway. Most of the pathways that I can identify, that I've seen, that I've watched my, my boys go through, are cul-de-sacs. They're okay. really pathways to nowhere. And unfortunately, the structure of rugby around the world 
leads to that. And so what we're trying to do here through academy systems that we hope to establish through involving players as coaches in those academies. And if you like, for example, if you want to come and your idea is you want to be a strength and conditioning coach, you want to be a, a you know a tactical rugby coach, you know, we're going to give you those opportunities within our organization as we as we go along. And we're, you know, so that, that's part of a key aspect of what, what Curry's setting up. But we want to have tangible pathways where people can come in U14 level and see that through the Highlanders, they can find a way to a good university, to after a good university, to a program that allows them to continue to develop professionally and play. That's what a pathway means to me. But some pathway that says, oh, if you come and play for, for you know, your province or your country or your state or, or whatever on a U14 level, somehow you're going to end up in the national team? Well, I'm not even sure that's an aspiration for all of them. And I think that that but playing the sport is because by the time they get to that age, they probably start to like the sport a lot and want to stay involved in it. And at some point, they're probably playing soccer and baseball and, and football and other things. And they're going to want to make that, you know, you know, make a commitment to the sport. But making a commitment to the sport, as it was for me, doesn't mean you have to go and pay for money somewhere. Because you know what? The chances of you supporting your family from this sport, given where it is today, not very likely. So, you know, how many, how many kids grow up in the United States, millions, even at the high school level, and still think they're going to be LeBron James? How many LeBron James are there? How many Lionel Messi's are, how many tens of millions of kids right now are playing around and give up all other professional opportunities that would support a family future just on the dream of being a professional soccer player and making, making you know, tens of millions of dollars, scores of them. So anyway, all I'm saying is we want to take and, and put reality on the ground to a professional organization, run professionally. And then at the end of the day, these people will turn around and they'll come and give back to the sport. They'll want to be involved. They'll have gone out and made their money 20, 30 years ago. They'll come back and contribute. That's the type of repetitive process that's necessary if we're going to get this country and this program and North America, if you will, um, out of the doldrums that we currently seem to be in. Hmm. That's how this builds. There, um, just, just touching on Ralph's point, there's, there comes a stage in a lot of younger players' lives, and I only know what I know. I don't know what I don't know, but I, I do coach a lot of people in a given year. I've coached a lot of people here in this country, and there always comes this this moment in which you can see it pass over the guy's face. I got to choose to do this. I got I to gotta make a choice now. I have a choice. you know. And it usually happens right after an under-20 program or something along those lines where they're now faced with that kind of, that oh shit moment of what next? What's around the corner? I pumped all this time. I pumped all this money, this blood, this sweat, this tears. My parents have been involved in this. My various support mechanisms have been involved in this. Maybe I don't want to go to university. You know, maybe I want to go to trade school. Maybe I want to take a gap year. Maybe I just want to go find a rugby academy. Unfortunately, and for some reason, a lot of that stuff's very hard to do. My intention with the Vancouver Highlanders is to pull the cover off of that, show many different pathways leading towards the same object underneath our umbrella. And it's, it's very achievable. It just starts with recognizing the opportunity that is around these people and the opportunity these people bring to our sport. I want to facilitate that. I always have. I still, I still coach high school rugby. I volunteered at the high school I went to. I love that stuff. It's amazing when like people do like give back to the game. And if you guys are going to develop something that's going to encourage that, uh, that's obviously fantastic. Um, I think in in like in listening to that, it um, is 
like in saying like there's many pathways um there's obviously you know and you're going to you know encourage guys to follow whatever their dream careers may be um is like professional rugby player national team rugby player is that part of those pathways if oh um, most most certainly absolutely absolutely if somebody comes to us and said look you know, we're halfway through the season. We've just got a call from Rugby Canada and there's a there's a fixture somewhere. We're gonna yeah. you know, I want to go play on that. Drive to the airport, get get on get on the bus. If you get an offer from in, in France to go play you know professionally there and and you you know we'll plot we'll applaud you. That no, that that is definitely definitely an aspect of this. And it's it's important, it's important to understand that you know this this is a rugby organization and it's rugby centered, mm-hmm. but but professional rugby or national team rugby is not its only focus and its only goal. And I don't believe that it can be. And, and, and what we're doing, you know, if you go onto our website, you'll see that there's a reference to something called the RPC, the rugby players challenge. And Mm -hmm. that's really a competition that we're pulling together to try to get people to understand the, the methodology, the ethos we've gone through to get to this point and then accept what we call our 10 commitments to, you know, focus on and help the player better themselves and then compete amongst those teams. And those teams could be national, you know, national teams. Uh, They could be, they could be development teams for national teams. They could be existing quote professional teams. I have to use that word again. And, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll we'll play them and have them come and and join us. And it's, it's, there's a bunch of things about that organ, that, that structure, that we've designed specifically to take away a lot of the financial risks that are associated with organized quote professional leagues, because that, that I believe is part of the problem with rugby around the world today is the current league structure and, and, and the costs uh, associated with it and the, the supposed revenue models that they try to emulate. And uh, there, there's just a lot of, improper guidance and direction there as a welsh person seeing what's been going on with organizing like the wru this past year and saying like people the the wrong people in charge oh Stu, like you look at you look at regionalism in welsh rugby it killed it 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 it, it absolutely killed it quick question where in wales are you from uh neath swansea ospreys australia australia australian i'm no longer allowed in the village of carmarthen (laughs) <laughs> can, I, can I can I maybe give you a little bit of a t- my my take on this because I think sure. it, it might inform it might inform some some of this discussion from from the where I sit rugby is perhaps the most top down controlled sport there is in existence in the world oh absolutely it is a sport that we all love it you know the rugby world cup's the number third watched sporting event in in in, 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 in you know in, in, in on the planet. But it has a control structure and it causes things to happen as a consequence of that. So there are two competing elements that I think cause part of the dilemma that we're, we're in today in the sport. And this, this is not an issue just for Canada. This is an issue that's pretty much worldwide. Dole money from the Rugby World Cup. It's very, very um, state centrally planned that way. On the other hand, the rugby we all grew up with, the, the local grassroots rugby is very entrepreneurial. It's very individuals going out, doing little things, you know, being, you know, free market society, if you will. And then as that level grows, 
to get into age grade rugby and then into quote professional teams or whatever in the middle, the two the two systems, the top-down central controlled system and the entrepreneurial aspect of it clash. So as I was saying to Kerr the other day, if you did a Venn diagram and you put two circles and one was world rugby and the national rugby organizations in one and grassroots rugby on the way up that's developing these players and overlap them, there'd be a dead zone in the middle. And that's where I think a lot of the professional rugby, that's why a lot of these teams are struggling these days because hmm. there is a fight between the free market and, and top-down control. Now, I'm very much a believer in the free market and everything that we do will be try to prove. I know there's no promise in this because we have to do it is to try to prove that there is a place for the free market to generate the players at the level necessary so that the national teams can benefit from that. Because every time I heard a coach questioned at the rugby world cup, if they won, they were they were praising the their their national uh, structure and their their professional leagues. If they lost, they were bemoaning the fact that they they, they weren't as, as robust as they should be. So there's this. So I believe that 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 as with everything that's you know good in the world, the free market should should prevail here, and that a lot of the control. I hear the word a lot control a lot from from the the higher echelons of of, of rugby in this world and. I'm not sure that anything I've ever seen in life has come from control and direction and funding that 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 directs actions. Let the free market decide and you will be shocked at the level of productivity and result that you get. And that is all we're trying to do here is is in in a in a word is is kind of unleash the productivity and the benefit of the free market when it comes to rugby. And um, I I don't know if you see it that way yourself, but that it's become very clear to me that there's that fundamental clash in, 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 in the rugby system. I think at the end of the day, like if you look at a lot of the history of pro sports in North America, it's like there's been a lot of good that has come from people trying to do different things. Um, so at the very least, I mean, if there's people that are willing to attempt something different, I think that's good um, at the bare minimum, like, you know, the, the NBA existed for a while before the ABA decided to introduce three-point shots and things like that. And that's obviously a big element of basketball today. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of other leagues that have showed up um, at various different spots. Like even something like in the 2000s, the XFL kind of changed the way NFL games got broadcast because they brought in all like the WWE style cameras that they put in everywhere. And now that's commonplace right so like mm. rival leagues and stuff like that people willing to attempt to do something differently has generally hopefully leads to something good it's helped in uh it's helped in a past in the past in different ways and i mean there's no no harm in trying something new at least well you know th th i think what's important though is to understand why things are the way they are and what how they work and if i may for a moment i mean a lot of people look at the NFL and say, oh, gosh, we could just be the NFL. But it's hard. So, but, but, the, yeah, but the NFL is a broadcast market. They don't need to put one butt in a seat to, to make yeah. a profit in the NFL. Mm -hmm. The NBA, at least in, at, until recently, was a merchandise-based league. Uh, they, they, they could survive just basically off merchandise. The NHL, if they don't fill those stadiums, they got problems. So what happens in, 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 in sport 
is that the people look at these models and then they try to emulate it or they think, oh, well, God, we can't get a broadcast right now, so we'll have to put people in seats. Well, that causes them to go and get two biggest stadiums. They then come and try to fill those stadiums. And, you know, if you put 300 people or 500 people in a 2,000-seat arena, you end up looking around asking yourself, why the heck you're the only idiot that bought a ticket? Now, I can suggest to you, if you took 300 people and had a kitchen party at your house, it'd be the best party the neighbor ever had uh, you know, in years. It's all about how you structure the event and the organization and what you try to make this thing about. And if you go and look at the definition of sport in the dictionary, you're going to find that the last two words are for entertainment. So when you look at sport, it is for entertainment. This is not life and death. This is not a battle. This is not Napoleonic Wars. This is, this is people having fun watching and participating in a sport. So what goes on in a sport like rugby where people try, and I see it all over, all over the world, try to jam people into stadiums at low ticket prices that they can't make a contribution in and see that as a source of revenue. It is not. And that's not how you can run these organizations and these leagues. So you have to find a way to have a low cost structure and a low uh, way to go about running your business. And a league is not where their schedule play is definitely a wrong uh, avenue to, to go down. And the reason being is that schedules are very tough to manage. They, they, they put demand on the stadiums and, and, and arenas that require you to pay more and more money for them. And at the end of the day, they enforce long distance travel, which is one of the biggest costs you have. So if you understand how these business models work and how they structure, and you can put something together that actually works within the uh, environment that you have. We believe in Vancouver, there are 200,000 people, with 3 million people here, there's 200,000 that either are playing or have played or have, have family playing rugby. 200,000 people. Now, that's a heck of a stadium. So if I can get 1% of those people to show up and watch our games, and then I can get each one of them to bring a friend, my marketing program doesn't need to doesn't need to be all that exciting and all that robust. We we know where those people are, right? So it's getting in, engaging them and bringing it back and making it fun for them, and not just standing around the sidelines at some you know club game, complaining about you know the state of rugby. The state of rugby is just wonderful. The state of the rugby game, although we can talk about the video replay officials, but uh, <laughs> the state of the game itself is pretty damn good. It's really a good sport to watch. And it's a really great sport to play. It just has to be unburdened by a lot of the stuff that's been stacked around it over the last 30, 35 years. Yeah, right, before we, uh, Derek goes into another rant on the uh, bunker uh, system and how I was gonna say, yeah, we, we got we got a ton of episodes complaining yeah. about uh, the referees. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I, I wouldn't plan to do that, but it, yeah, right, yeah, let's go right. down this way. We are all not a shot. Let, let's not let's not let, let's focus. I want to ask a question about the team, and this is coming from someone who's not um, the furthest west in Canada. I've been as Sarnia at this point, um, so. Yeah, not it's even not very far easy. west at all. Exactly. So, <laughs> the, so the question I have is, um, when you were, I don't know if this was like a player decision or like a business decision, when it comes to naming your team and going with Highlanders, what was the decision behind choosing that name? And also the decision to go with red and black as your colors? Well, I was red and black is because of Curry's shirt. 
That was the that was we, the first. we all wore red and black today. <laughs> I was the only one that didn't today. Yeah. So uh, did you not so, get my email about? The I know, I know. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just I only had one shirt available to myself. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, Titans wasn't available. No, we, no, you know we. I don't know. I guess I'm. A, I guess I, I guess I have some family ties to that. But it's it was you know I, if you haven't been to Vancouver. Everything, oh, it's a city down by the sea and everything else. We had a, a fellow came out for the uh, university championships here the other day, and, and I actually drove him out to them. And I said, you know, he said, you're not kidding. There's mountains everywhere here. And they're, and they're close. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. they're literally a stone's throw away. And I said, we haven't seen anything because I'm going to turn the corner here and you're going to be staring at a 14,000 foot volcano. And so, you know, there, there's a lot, there, there, there are a lot of highlands there. Uh, there's a lot of things about about the highlands that that are that are worth knowing, and you know the the only areas that neither the Vikings nor the Romans got into. They both tried hard, they just couldn't get in. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things about the, you know, you know, we use the word fortitude um, in our mm -hmm. in our in our as our motto, and it's 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 my clan motto, but you know, it just happens to to fit with this. There are a lot of things about rugby backgrounds. I mean, most nations that are involved in rugby you know in the top tiers of, of it are, are celtic nations i mean they mm -hmm. uh, you know and 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 so we wanted to have some connection back to that and you know curry's a big fan of bagpipes so you know kind of went from there <laughs> how'd you guys come up with the uh, conan bar the barbarian esque logo it, it's duncan oh man it's Duncan. That's Duncan. Duncan the Barbarian. Oh, I'm sorry. Duncan. Duncan, which is which is Gaelic for uh, Dark Warrior. That's Duncan. Oh yeah. We, when we looked when we looked at the emblem and we looked at the name, there's I mean there's historical pieces here in Vancouver that lend credence to that. There's a large large population of original founders that have that. Um, it's just it's something that, as you see when you look at Duncan the 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 logo there, there's a level of. I don't know, there's a level of adventure there that we're trying to convey. There's a level of persona that we're trying to convey. And, you know, rugby is one of those rare, rare sports where you've got intelligent and motivated people running around a field, convincing other intelligent, motivated people that they're not as good as they are. Or, you know, there's, there's just an adversarial element to our sport in the best sense of the word. Everything is a contest. A high ball is a contest. A line out is a contest. A tackle is a contest. Every single thing is a game within a game within a game. And in order to be able to come out on top of these games, there needs to be something that embodies that, that spirit that lends, lends that fortitude to the person. And looking at the history of these people, looking at the cultural links to it, looking at you know, the, the rich mental real estate around it, it was a, it was a relatively easy decision for us. Stu, that, uh, that, that scratch your itch there, buddy? Yeah, I think that uh, satisfy, satisfied that answer. Basically, it was Curry's idea. It's Curry's idea. It's Curry's idea. Well, I I don't know. I personally love the the branding. I like the logo. I think it looks great. Um, so uh, no, we're not we're not we're not running away from it. No, we like it too. Yeah, no, it looks uh it looks great. Um, have you but, got someone to be Duncan at games and yeah. run around I've the field? The, carrying a I've 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 been in the gym for a couple of weeks and I'm looking at wigs right now. Oh, so bold, that's, so. that's based on you. Yeah. The, the logo. Yeah, no, yeah. well, no, it's future, it's future like the, me, future yeah. me. My wife got me a bracelet for Christmas. When you, when you can merge somebody together and you put Curry and Fabio together, you kind of get uh, done. That's what we get. That's what uh, we get. That's right. what oh, so it's like yeah, the like I said, West-esque inspiration for the logo is Curry. That yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. But we're not done with Okay. My wife bought me a Bowflex. I'll be there in a couple of weeks. All right. Well, we're looking forward <laughs> to it. Looking forward. We should have done. We'll we'll do another podcast to like get the update on the physical transformation there. 
Um, so uh, the brand's cool. Um, but uh, like back to a couple things that you guys have mentioned. You talked about, I guess, two of like the key things um that you have listed on your website that you have been talking about. Um, the ten commitments and the rugby players challenge. Um, so I think I'll start with just um, like I mean, maybe you don't have to list them all if you don't want to, but like. What are the 10 commitments? How'd you guys come up with them? And uh, what's, I guess, the club's plan for sort of following them? Well, I guess that's on me. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it started, as I said, with, with Curry's uh, statement about developing the person through rugby. And I was sitting around on vacation in Europe this summer, and I was... Thought, well, you know what? What would I? What would I say? How would I? How would I? How would I put that into some kind of meaningful statement? And so, I, you know, ten's a nice number, um, and you know, and then in any agreement that I've ever been involved in that was fair, you had to have equal commitments from one side to the other, and that's where that the division into into five and five came from. And what was important to us is that we laid out. Um, responsibilities so that people when they came here knew uh, in black and white, not just somebody saying something to them, you know, casually during a recruitment discussion or whatever, but in black and white, here's how we will treat you. Here's how we want to be measured. But we also expect things from you. You do not get to come here. This is not a free ride. You're going to work. You're going to, you're going to honor, you're going to act respectfully. You're going to do all these things. And it's not just, you know, clause 32C in a player contract, by the way. It's it's there in black and white on our website. And, you know, if you want to be a part of something like that, when there's openness, right? You know, I I, 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 I don't like it. I, I was involved in business restructuring for 25 years. I, I've, I've been involved in some horrific circumstances, financial problems and the like. And I was an advisor to these people. So you see people go through this. The last people to know are always the people who are most important to the organization when there's a problem. And that's, you know, in the case of a sporting organization, that's that's the players. Well, you want to come and work, be with us? Well, our commitment is that you're, it's transparent. You know what's going on. We tell you what's going on. You, you're part of it. You're in the office dealing with us, working with us, coming in. There's no you and us. It's, 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 it's together. And, and so that's why when you go and you say, and we say at the, at, the, at, the, at the top of our site, it's rugby at its best. We don't want to make a claim that we're the best rugby team in the world. We don't make a claim that we're the best rugby team anywhere. We will have to prove that. But we want to do all the things that are around rugby that makes rugby great. We want to embody those in what we do. And if we're successful, you'll come around and say, that's the best rugby experience I ever had in my life. Right. So, so that's what this is about. This is our promise to you. But when we make these promises to you, damn it, you make five back to us and it's an equal bargain. That's what this is about. This is what being a man's all about. So being responsible is all about. You make promises. We make promises together. We got an agreement. That's where this comes from. And if it's not for you, don't do it. Yeah. That seems reasonable. Um, well, we, we, I'll say one thing too. I'll say one thing too about this. And, and it's a point that Curry and I have been having discussions about too, as we talk about players and staffing and, and everything, which 
you know, we can't get into any particulars on, but, you know, it, it's like we get calls from people and it's like, oh, well, this isn't available to me anymore. I want to do this. Well, no, no, that's the wrong decision. If you want to go and look at what we're about and decide that you want to be a part of this, then we would love to have you. But this is not moving from one thing because we're the only other thing that's available on there. There's other people that, that you go to for that. You got to, you know, it, it, I don't want to sound sound like it, it, it's more, it's just fundamental ways of being for us, right? This is the way Curry and I talk to each other. This is the way Curry and I are, unfortunately. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's too few of us around these days, but it's, it's, this is the way that we live and we want, the, we, this is what our program is about. If you want transparency, you want openness, if you want support, if you want to help, you want to contribute, that's great. That, that, that's it. That's really. I, I hear, I hear a lot of things around what makes a team successful and why certain programs are more successful than others. And, you know, people can talk about funding all they want and they can talk about um, staff and all the rest of it. When you look at those 10 commitments, that's how you run a locker room. That's how you conduct yourself in life. That's how you treat other people. So taking what we all know, using that as a divining rod, uh, very basically for me, this is common knowledge. <clears throat> Every time I've ever set foot in a locker room on a field or run a, been in a campaign, be it a national championship, be it a, you know, a club play, be it whatever, there are there is an onus on both the player and the coach to meet in the middle. And, you know, there's a famous saying that when a team loses, it's on the coach. And when the team wins, it's on the players. I adhere to that. I've always adhered to that. That's not, that's not, um, that's not an easy thing to say. And it's an even harder thing to live because I've been a loser. I've been fortunate to be successful in some key moments, but I've, I've been on the receiving end of that. And usually when I look back on it, it's, i I likely wasn't at my best. That is my job. People depend on me to do that. And while I certainly relish that level of responsibility, somewhere along the way in our sport, we got away from a couple of real basic, basic, basic pieces. And that is how we decide to treat people. That is how we, the lens with which we view our peers on the field, status kills discussions. I'm a big locker room guy. Yeah, I might be your coach, but I can't we can't do any of this unless I know you. Well, you're not going to get to know me and I'm not going to get to know you if there isn't common respect in the room and I don't know what's at stake. These 10 commitments are what's at stake. Your, your caliber as a person, your ability to contribute to something larger than your own self is embodied in those 10 commitments. Five to me, five back to you. And if we've got, 30, we've got a 35-man roster with X amount of staff and we're all in agreement on those very, very simple, simple precepts, this should be an enjoyably positive experience for the people that choose to make it their own. That's it. Yeah. That seems understandable, reasonable. And as you said, if you do it and you don't like it or it doesn't work out, then there's the freedom to leave and there's not. I don't want to control anything. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to control anything. I don't want to control people. I don't want to control people's actions. That's not my thing. You know, one thing, I don't know if you, you know this or not, but in the United States, there's a thing called the Sherman Antitrust Act, which is anti-combines legislation that that uh, requires you not to collude, requires you not to restrict competition, et cetera, et cetera. You know what's exempt from the Sherman Antitrust Act? Sports. Sports. Why? Um. Oh, man. I used to know the answer to that question. Well, I know the answer to this. Uh, yeah. So, I was so like, I speculate. I'll, I'll tell you what the answer is. Because it's, because it's a cabal... Yeah. where a very few number of people end up doing well 
at the expense of the greater body of people who work for them. And they are allowed to put in structures like salary caps, trade restrictions, drafts, all these various things that are really to do one thing. And that is to control where athletes go and how they can then deal with and limiting their freedom of movement. This is not serfdom. We, we, we don't live in a where there's serfdom, you know, like, like where someone's tied to a, a farm in, 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 in England in the 1100s. We want to see people be able to have free choice and movement. We think that our organization is better off if player A decides that they're better served going somewhere else and we've helped them somehow get there. So I'm I, I'm just saying that I believe that this sport is one that demands that. So when I see people talking about, well, so-and-so can't play for this team or can't go to this national program because they've spent so many years here and done stuff like that, it makes my brain hurt. It's not the way things are supposed to be. And it's an unnatural thing to tie people up in these agreements and have you know things like you know if team was a dispersal draft. Well, what are you dispersing me for? If I if I was playing for team C in a certain town and 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 my 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 team didn't isn't going forward for any reason, why does somebody get to tell me that I have to move to another city to to pursue my trade? They wouldn't do that to use a broadcaster. They they they, they couldn't do it to a lawyer. They couldn't do that as. These are unnatural things, and I think that that the 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 sooner that sports like rugby have a free market available to them and the players, I think you will see things start to change. It will be gradual, it will be a groundswell, but it will have to happen if this sport is to become what it can be, which is it can be a success. No, no, no two ways about it. So. I think a lot of people listening to that will immediately think of Major League Rugby as part of, obviously, a professional rugby league that would fall under maybe that banner that you have, you've talked about. There's been dispersal. UK Premiership. Pick, pick one. Worcester, pick, Worcester uh, Warriors. Wasps. Irish. It is not limited to Major League Rugby in the United States no. of North America. <laughs> yeah. No, look at the noise. Look, look at the noise coming out of New Zealand Rugby right now. Very few people are going to Super Rugby games. Very few. Yeah. They don't feel a connection to those teams. Well, yeah. So I guess that was going to be my question. It's obviously, it's not necessarily that you guys are trying, or like, I don't want to say like, have anything like against necessarily Major League Rugby, but you think there's a flaw in just the s- structure in general and not necessarily. Nope, not, like... not, not, not saying that at all. I'll, I'll okay, do you so one okay, better. Oh, if, if, I, if, I've got, if, I've, if I've got a guy who comes for the Highlanders and that guy's goal was to go play for th- this guy's lifelong dream is to live in Louisiana and that guy wants to play for Nola Gold, I cannot get that guy in front of those people at Nola Gold fast enough. I'm not, I'm not besmirching any particular professional organization as it relates to rugby. I'm merely saying I believe there is a, a different way to do this, not at the expense of other people. All right, I think that's um, a, that's an important piece of clarification. Oh yeah, no, 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 we're not here, but no, no. My, yeah. my comment about Team A, it's 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 worldwide. This yeah. this what's going yeah. on right now, and you know, Stuart is well. She probably connected better. There, I, I read articles all day long about the about you know teams not succeeding. I mean, the head of Welsh rugby came out the other day. I, I suspect and, and said, you know, we can't compete the way that we're supposed to be competing, and and do it financially successfully. Well, how many times do you need to hear people say something like that to know that there needs to be some different approach to this? And when we look at all this between Curry and me, you know, people just throw up their hands and say, well, there's infinite problems. 
we see infinite possibilities in this. It's it, the, because the sport itself is such a beautiful thing. And the sport itself is so well accepted and regarded by people that it just cries out for something different to happen. And I don't know if we've got the right answer. Time will, time will prove that. But something different needs to be happening. So people aren't always guessing and wondering, and is this going to succeed or not? It just needs to happen in a different way. We're proposing something. Something oh, yeah. completely different that's out from what's out there. And it will it'll go or it won't. Mm. And they'll be keen to see how it all unfolds. And one of the things that is mentioned on the website that definitely is going to be like the tentpole of the Vancouver Highlanders is the Rugby Players Challenge, which um, is set to take place between May the 1st and August the 31st. Um, that's the season duration. You have a listed information of um, things that are required for teams and players, including mm-hmm. um, provided they are financed, staffed, and structured to complete the highest level of rugby. Uh, teams finishing a season in good standing will be provided a first right to return for the next season. Um, something that also came up with... Uh, yeah, there'll be no schedule of games issued by the RPCs, mm-hmm. which I give, which I guess gives you like the freedom to instead of saying like, okay, you have to play, the Highlanders have to play this team on this Saturday at this location, gives you that flexibility. Um, one thing that stood out is that teams must timely provide RPC with biographies of each player who joins or leaves the team each week of the season. RPC will determine and post power rankings for each player on its website. What was the decision to include something like this, which, you know, um, and I know we have sports that have, you know, uh, player rankings and like power rankings and stuff like that. Um, But what was the desire to include this for the Highlanders? Well, we we think there's a a couple of uh, aspects of this that that work. First of all, is that I, I can tell you that if it was me and somebody's posting power ranking about me, I'd be on the second that thing came up to decide to see if my, <laughs> my buddy was better off than me or whatever and the like. The second thing is that there's an aggregation of those power rankings to determine a power rating for a team. And then through an algorithm that we're developing now, those teams will be able to be ranked against each other. And you have to be able to rank teams who don't necessarily play each other to get to a ranking system so that the top two playing teams can play for that really cool cup that's on our logo, which was crafted in 1889 and actually has a real rugby player on the top. So when, when, so we will put together an algorithm. So much the same way that the NCAA Div 1 uh, football teams are, are ranked against each other, even though they don't play in the same divisions, we will rank our teams even though they may not play. But in order to, to play you have to issue a challenge to another team to then accept that challenge and then come and play you or they can counter it or whatever. And then the RPC sanctions it. And when it's sanctioned, it is then played as, a, as an official, official game. And then that result then goes into the rankings. So what we want to do is we want to have teams that are formed around basically geographic um, locales so that teams aren't forced into, into, into travel. You can play five or six teams nearby you, and then you can go and, and travel wherever you want. Or if there's a touring side comes in, we can then 
sanction that if you want to play against them or whatever it is, or a university club wants to come over from, from the UK, et cetera, et cetera. So how you want to get in and how you want to do it, but the most important aspect of, of, of what you said was that this is a one-year commitment. You come in, you like it, you come back. You don't like it, you don't come back. And so it puts the onus on the RPC to make sure everybody has a good time, to make sure everybody is treated fairly, to make sure everybody isn't demanded a bunch of cash to come in and, 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 and commit to this and then have things crumble around them. Your success as a team does not depend on somebody else's success as a team. No. It depends on you. And shockingly, you get to organize and staff your team however you want to fit your market as long as you meet the 10 commitments and those basic principles around it. Come well financed. We're going to check on that. Treat your players properly. Right? Go at it. And you know, what a remarkable thing. What a remarkable There's thing. There's um on, on the financial piece as well. Th this isn't done because we're looking to fleece anybody. This is done. So if somebody comes in and they brought a bunch of people in and oh, this is a big dream that they've got, and then push comes to shove, they can't hop on a plane to go play anybody, or they can't even survive in whatever domestic competitions that they're in. Well, then then why are you here in the first place? So it's it's a simple way where we just want to make sure that we're working with realistic people that understand the business side of this. Well, at the same time know how to make it work where they are. As an example, there's nothing that would stop, say, an MLR team from joining the RPC. We play an MLR team, no problem. You know, say your season's done and you want to pick up pick up a couple RPC games in July, August, call us. Hi, hey, how are you? You know, you got a touring side coming in from New Zealand or Nice Bridge End wants to come over or we want to go to Bridge End and play them. Well, cool, we can do that. The idea is that we don't want to control. We want to make certain that people have the ability to play the rugby they need to play that best fits not only their market, but their profile and the 10 commitments. And, you know, that this is the way rugby used to be done. You used to phone up your, your club down there, hey, we haven't had a match in a long time, let's play, right? And, you know, I'm sure somebody will tell me that this this is illegal under gambling laws, but we may challenge you to, to come and play us. And, 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 and if you beat us, we'll pay for your ticket home. <laughs> I mean, you know, there, there's just so okay. many different, interesting, exciting ways to do this, and things that pop up, and and and, but allow these these events to happen in a tight, entertained way where you, you know, the people get a really good fan experience when they go to these games. It's not just going there and sitting in the stands and you know having having you know your spouse ask you about what the rules of the game are and why this happened and why that collapsed and the whistle blew and what. It's it's, it's having fun. If you're aficionado mm -hmm. of the game and you want to watch all the details and, and what happens in the scrum penalty, go at it, right? You want, to, you want to go there for you want to show up for the for, for the beer and the food trucks, show up. You want to watch, listen to pipe music or, or rock music throughout the course, show up. This is about having some freaking fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. no, I, every I, time. I every fully time. I fully 100 percent support that. I mean, I've yeah, I like if you fun. listen to any other episodes, you've heard me bring up Formula One and how they've mm -hmm. been able to yes. turn around their fortunes. And it's and they say, Oh yeah, it's due to drive to survive. And it's like, not really, because if Drive to Survive had been a decent, you know, show on Netflix that comes out each year, people would be like, Oh wow, I can't wait to see Max Verstappen race. And then you go to one of the races and you have mm. no idea what's going on because you're not follow you can't really follow it. I mean, you're stuck in one location. Oh, a fast car just went by. That was a tenth of a second. <laughs> they do that however many, like 52 times 
in a race that's qualifying and stuff like that. And I know they've recently, um, the season just ended, but they had a race in Vegas for the first time. And Max Verstappen was like, oh, it's 99% um, entertainment, 1% racing. And I'm like, yes, yeah. that's Vegas. Yes. That's, yes. that's how you get people interested. Yes. Because that's how if, you do it. Well, what was because my definition of sport? What was my definition of sport just a few minutes? Entertainment. For entertainment. Yeah. And, and if this isn't about entertainment, we will fail. Yeah. Guarantee you. Yeah. And and I understand that Guaranteed. you know there'll there'll be some uh rugby games that uh how do I describe it? For the purists. And that can sure. be like just just you know weather circumstances and stuff like that. But if you give people like the op- the option of oh, you know, there's this interesting like food truck that's coming to this game or uh, sure can't wait to get a couple of beers and you know just have a chat whilst the game's going on absolutely as in if i've i think that's um something that you know has been found when i've been to rugby games either side of the atlantic is that you know you you just want to go there and have a good time and if the rugby's great even better you know Mm -hmm. i I used I used to be in the beverage business for 20-something years, and I used to go to these big conventions, uh, always in some massive hall somewhere. And people would bring all their, you know, there was a lot of discussion about, you know, extreme sports, and the people at, at Monster Energy were getting big into that, and we were the distributors of that. And there's, you know, another drink that we had called Sobe that uh, got sold uh, sold to Pepsi here, and they were big uh, supporters of all these these extreme sports. So one day I'm walking around and, and and we just went to some skateboard thing and I'm walking down and I hear this screaming coming from this isolated little area in this, you know, million plus square foot place. And I go over there and there is a cage. There's a cage and there's two guys in there just kicking the living daylights out of each other. Right. And there's this guy standing there beside it, Dana something or other. <laughs> talking about talking about how this is the next new thing in sports and everything else but i can see right although it doesn't really appeal to me i can just see how people just gravitated towards it and they were right up around the cage right where this is going on and stuff splattered off and but they were entertained right yeah. they were entertained mm-hmm. and so i i'm just saying there's lots of ways to to get people interested in rugby but in Vancouver, in particular, what we're talking about here, we're lucky to have 200,000 people, I think, as a base that we just need to invigorate. We don't need to teach them the game. We don't need to, you know, sell them that we're the best in the world. We just need to get them to understand that there's optimism around this sport and that they can have mm-hmm. a boatload of fun by coming out and, and watching the Highlanders play. And, and and if we can do that, guys, we'll be here talking to you for a long, long time about uh, – uh, about this and, and and the RPC in particular, because we think we can take this through the RPC and its model to a lot of places, and it's not just North America. If we if we get if we get the opportunity, one thing we're, one thing we're looking at, and it's been received very very well. We're actually doing some site visits. Is that uh, without getting into lengthy detail, when you sign up with us and you sign our player agreement, you you have to be a registered member of a local rugby club. So when you're in, you're you're here. With our professional development piece, we want to help these people get jobs. Those people stay. So by staying here, they're going to play local club rugby. Now, 
for some of those guys, that might be jarring. For some of those club guys, that might be a bit jarring. But over the next couple of years, what I'm going to see is I'm going to see the level of club rugby get substantially better and get substantially better through the quality of players and a, a sense of ownership within the Vancouver Highlanders. So we will be playing games at local rugby clubs. And instead of trying to fill up Swan Guard Stadium, which is a very tired, tired system, or um, I hear UBC come up a lot, Thunderbird Stadium. Thunderbird Stadium is a turf field in a pit. It's not exactly what I would call an, a very welcoming rugby space. It just isn't. There are so many historic grounds here. People have been playing. The Vancouver played the All Blacks here in the early 1900s. You know, um, Dr. Ted Hunt and the, and the British Irish, Dr. Ted Hunt and the, um, the BC Provincial team beat the British Irish Lions, coincidentally, at the Thunderbird Stadium. But that's when it was grass. The point being is that in order for this to be fun, this has to be accessible. And in order for this to be in front of people, this has to be accessible. Go to your local community. Go to your local rugby club. Have a game there. Bring people in. Bring in that. Bring in those club members there. Let them keep all the proceeds from the bar. Go nuts. Let's find a way to bridge the gap here. Empower those structures and systems that we have that feed this, and it feeds us. We don't want to be taking anything. We are not in the interest of controlling at all. We don't want to take anything. Yeah. Our, our 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 ethos that we keep saying to is that. Anybody that we want to be involved in, we want to be a net contributor to that. Yeah. If, if, if we have an involvement with Rugby Canada, we want to be a net contributor to Rugby Canada. BC Rugby, any rugby club that we work with, we want, we want them to come away saying that their relationship with the Highlanders was a net benefit to them. If we can do that, and that's the basis, it's the, just a basis of a good relationship and a good sporting. We're not here to take, we're not, we don't want to control anything. We're not going to tell you how to run your business. That's up to you. Free market. But we will bring more than we take away every single time. We don't do that. We're not doing our job. And, and, and that's something that's a little different. And that digs you into the community a little better, I think, than going around and pounding your chest about pro sport and pro this and pro that and whatever. That, that, that doesn't work for me. And, you know, if we can do this, then Curry and I will have a lot of fun. The players will have a lot of fun. The people that work with us will have a lot of fun. And, you know, be entertained. Was that line from Gladiator? Are you entertained? <laughs> Are you not entertained? Are you yes. not yeah. entertained? From Gladiator, yeah. Um, <laughs> Top 10 movie. Uh, it really is. Um, hot take, best sports movie ever as well because it's, it's a sport okay movie. i'm in no yeah, i'm in i'm in, sports movie yeah, I'm in. yeah. Go, go watch money go watch Moneyball again <laughs> no nah, nobody nobody gets impaled by a lion in Moneyball. <laughs> a sports movie ever <laughs> um gladiators for sports man it's, know, it's, i'm on board with the um speaking of gladiator and entertaining obviously they all kind of go hand in hand um curry you did mention accessibility to that um for yep. maybe people that don't live in vancouver um what's sure is there any plans for like you know we'll like be streaming games games streaming games thank you That's no, what you we, so no, no 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 we will be streaming games streaming games the, the, la the last thing the last thing i'm going to do is come out here and be like well we're looking at broadcast models no we will be streaming games you can watch the games there everybody else we play with will have to be able to stream games put it up on youtube put it up on facebook ideally you put it out of your own website but we will be streaming games for now that is what that is where we're at ideally putting it on your own website so vancouverhighlanders.com that's where you're going to be able to watch everything then is that okay until the site crashes 
because there's so many <laughs> until, people, <laughs> until there's so many people watching it that we can't support all the, the, the <laughs> yeah you gotta give, get the extra that's, all, that's always a big worry um just on sure. to, on that topic um mm-hmm. you know you've been talking about getting rugby players to mm-hmm. come along and assign to these commitments as well mm-hmm. and i'm and yeah. i obviously include like the coaching structure and stuff like oh, that yeah. but yep is there an opportunity or do you plan to have an opportunity for things like front of house for yes. things like TikTok and including that um talking yes. about broadcast structures of getting um you know for example getting um students from university who have experience in broadcast are you considering that as an opportunity to we we I, yeah so we have there are enough rugby people here um, I believe in North America, very fortunate to live in Vancouver with the, the rugby background that we've got here, where we'll be able to put people in for commentating, color commentary. Um, I mean, you can download ticket, you can download ticket apps. And again, we're not looking to do 60, 70 ticket sales, 60, 70,000 ticket sales and pack out stadiums. What, what we're, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing this properly to a relevant scale in which we're not going to come out the back end making a bunch of grandiose promises about what this is going to be X amount of years down the road. It's going to be very, very, very transparent, clear is kind. So we'll be clear in our visuals. We'll be clear in our delivery of match days and we'll be clear in what the next weekend looks like. And that's it. It doesn't need to be that involved, especially for now. It just needs to be done professionally well. And that needs to be simple. Simple doesn't mean stupid. Two, two, two stories, short ones. Hmm. We had a we had a player um, who wanted to come and said, "Look, you know, your opportunities. I'd like to, I'd like to get into broadcasting." Well, there's ways to get into broadcasting, and that is to just like having game tape. Yeah. So we'll give that guy opportunities to commentate, go around, and 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 do those sorts of things, right? And then and then from there, see where that leads. But we'll help we'll help him do that. Um, the other thing about tickets and and stadium size and 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 that's is there's a there was a great line I heard uh, earlier this year from the the president of Ferrari, and he got asked how many Ferraris are you going to sell this year. He says I know exactly how many Ferraris are going to sell this year, one fewer than demand. Mm-hmm. One fewer than demand, and you will find that we will organize our operations and and venues such that um you will never not everybody who wants to go will be able to go uh and we want to create that demand and we want to create scarcity and we want to create a willingness and a desire to come and we want you to come and watch it and we want you to go and tell two of your friends and have them come back and then that's how it'll build it, you know, I, I've listened to all sorts of sports people and sports marketing over the years and how they're going to approach the market. And they're going to do this from a global basis and they need to do this. I said, it, 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 it's all baloney. I was going to use some different phrase, but it's all baloney. And <laughs> it, it, it doesn't work because they don't know what they're doing because they don't know what their market is. And once you find your market, you find that market is very, very easy to identify, especially in sports and, 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 and rugby in particular. You, you know where it is. All you got to do is activate it. All you got to do is get people excited about it. And our view of this is very simply that there's been so much suppression and compression around the whole rugby business in North America. And now you start to see it around pretty clear in the world, you know, since COVID. 
um, it needs it needs some uplifting and it needs some light and it needs some it needs some positivity. And if we can be that, I think people will gravitate towards it. It's no more complicated than that, really. So you guys are going to start playing in 2024. How are you going to measure if that 2024 season is a success for the Vancouver Highlanders? Because there'll be a 2025 season. Yeah, yeah. Ask me that question. Ask me that question in 2025. Okay. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. I like it. I like it. I like it. Looking forward. You know what? You know what I said to I said to Curry this, and I'll say it to you too, because we're all now good friends. I can't promise anything except we will work our hardest and do our best to deliver on our our, our mission and our goals that's it that's and all so, we can say and so if we have one person and i hope it's 35 and i hope it's more than that because we're going to have a reserve team etc if they come out and they say my life was enhanced by this experience I am a better person. I have a better career opportunity. I had a ton of fun doing this. That is our success. Not financial. It's not who we played and who we beat. It's not anything. It's about how those players and the people in the organization feel they were treated, feel that their lives were bettered by this. And if we do that and we stay pure to that, then you know this will be a success for a long, long time. It'll outlive me. So, in, in saying that, like, if there's any uh, you know rugby players that are listening to this and you know are mm-hmm. interested in joining the Vancouver Highlanders or trying out for the team or however yep. that structure is going to work, um, how would they go about doing that? Curry at VancouverHighlanders.com. In the not-so-distant past, I remember when MLR first turned the lights on, I was involved with the group, an original investment group that helped out the Seattle Seawolves. I was brought on as the player of director development. Essentially, I was a recruiter, and I staffed a team there. And I've been recruiting for UBC for 10 years, and I've been, you know, I've been helping out Rugby Canada, identifying all number of athletes. I, I probably sent more guys to film Act of the Pride than I recruited from my own program over the last X amount of years. And that was done solely because I value competition. Um, I've been fortunate enough to win a bunch of things, but I, I have no interest in, I, I had zero interest in continuing on the path I was at at UBC because it, it just large parts of the competition structures I were in did not, just didn't motivate me anymore. And that's not a knock on anything other than my own process as a person. So when we're, when we're looking at attracting talent and we're looking at bringing in the right people, I believe that I've been around the block long enough to not make the dogs breakfast of it. Most times I don't always get it right, but that is one of the things that I'm bringing to this as well is that I, I am eagerly building a team and I'm looking to attract young, exciting players that need this opportunity as well as seasoned international athletes who can help guide them as well as national team players. And also, I'll add this. Before you email Curry, please go to the website and read every single word. Every single word there has a purpose. And it read was it done to try to explain what we're about and come because that excites you. Not yeah. because, hey, it's a rugby job and I need one and there's musical chairs going on around North America and there's not going to be seats left. That's not the reason to call. No. Call because you no. love the thought and the process behind it because that's what we're about. 
I mean, look, you guys, we're going to be playing rugby in Vancouver in the summer. Now, Stu, I know that your westward expansion has a tendency to stop at Sarnia. But in a perfect world, man, like you're out here one day, you're watching a Vancouver Highlanders versus a whomever match. And Vancouver in the summer special. Now, I know that's the rest of the country's club season. I've had a few people say, well, you know, what if there's other teams in Canada that want to join and it's during their club season? You know, I've seen this one a lot. Well, I mean, let's let's be very frank here. If you're building a a team of this caliber with that amount of investment, you're going to want to attract a certain breed. And I would look at your local club structure as something as a curtain raiser or something to align yourself with as you run your own your own match in and around the same area. You may have one or two players from the odd club team, but when your season's done, if you run it the way we have, the people you brought in stick around and they stay longer and they help out that rugby community. Those people volunteer at local high schools. Those people are going to volunteer for local representative teams. You're going to find those people at university teams trying to cut their teeth as a forwards coach or, Hey, I'm an SNC guy. There are so many opportunities with so many, so many organizations in rugby in this country that if someone has the gumption, the audacity and the fortitude to set forth and do this, they can really enrich their community. And that's what this has to be done as. This is not done for something where we're going to be the only, we are not interested in being the only group in Canada that does this. We are not interested in being the only group in North America that does this. We are interested in showing people, not telling them that there is a way to enrich your rugby community around you. And if the knock-on effect of that is, is that nationally things improve, that's pretty great. If professionally things improve, that's pretty great. You know, there's an easy, easy, easy way to roll in here. And that's to poke holes in existing professional leagues and national structures. I, I don't care. That's not what I'm here to do. That's that's not what we are doing. You know, I've, I've heard us described as club plus. I've heard us described as semi-pro. I've heard us described as professional. We are a business for people, involved with people that want to see the betterment of other people. And if the sentiment doesn't spread into the community, well, you're probably doing something wrong. You know, no, no more weird taps on the shoulder. No more, no more. Well, you know, we're going to do a site visit. We, we might, we might deign to play here. Cut it out. Stop it. Rugby's not healthy enough where we can be doing things like that. Stop telling people what they can and cannot do. Provide people with opportunities to provide solutions. So over time, things can improve through the collective will of those that have chosen to be a part of it. That's us. One, one final, one, one, one asterisk on that. This cannot just be the rugby, the RPC, the Rugby Players Challenge. This cannot just be a Canadian-centric organization. This has to be international in scope. It certainly has to involve uh, a large number of, of teams and, and organizations in the U.S. Ideally, it would go uh, into, into Europe and, and into the Pacific. And, but that's, that's down the road. But we, this is not us starting out something. Things... Things that have a tendency and a goal to grow in Canada have a tendency to to, to die here too. Uh, the market is just what it is, and this has to be brought along brought along in a certain way that it's uh, um, that, that it's international in scope. And that, that that was our focus from day one. Day one. Uh, okay, so that's a, it's the twenty twenty four season. You've got twenty twenty five set up, but you have a golden invitation that you can send mm -hmm. to any club in the mm -hmm. world, professional, okay. amateur. And, okay. if you, and if you send to them, they will automatically accept, you know, time, money, not an issue. They will be okay. on the plane over to Vancouver, ready to play. Okay. Who are you sending 
that invite to ah, the question I, <laughs> yeah i i've got a i've got a few um if i could play anybody no questions asked who do i get here right in front of us can i time travel sure why not why yeah not? yeah it's you know it's a golden invite it can go through time as well i just wanted to play that cardiff blues team that john tate and danny Baugh played on <laughs> there you go i'm All not right. kidding i like I, it. I, I, like I, it. I was watching a I was watching a clip the other day. Danny Baugh comes on at 18. Oh, he's a famous Welsh rugby man as well. Um, I, I, there, there was something about those teams that played in that league, in that era with the stands and the roped off fields and just the level of the, the just the level of animosity that they brought. I don't know. It's just, it, I, I would love to see that team live in action again. I get to see John Tate every now and again. He's a buddy of mine. I don't know Danny Baugh. But yeah, those two dudes on that team, that's the team that I want. I was going to say the only the, uh, John Tate has to play though, right? Like that's yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't like do that's, that. To... <laughs> is that the team is that the team we're getting? We're getting those guys now. Let me bring it back to the present. We we're talking to a lot of people and 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 I think part of the issue is is that when you present something that we think is pretty fundamental and basic, it's like, you know, Here's cow's milk. You want to drink cow's milk? Well, what do you mean? What do you mean it doesn't have a bunch of added vitamin D and, 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 and chocolate? And what it doesn't have? It's, it's basically, it's basically, it's people, I think it takes them some time to get their heads around in this sport in particular that they can actually do what they want and what mm -hmm. they know in their heart of hearts they need to succeed and that they will be given the opportunity to do that and have some fun playing rugby at the same time. Like, like what a novel concept, but it's, it's getting them to understand how to do it. And it's, it, it, they've come from a system. A lot of rugby guys come from a system where everything's been told to them what they have to do. So now we're saying, throw off the shackles, right? Throw off, create what you, what you want to do in us market X or in Canadian market Y that is not Vancouver will be different by certain than what we do here. We can give you some ideas. We can give you the, some concepts to, to, to look at. But this is not us telling you what your roster size has to be, what your staff has to be, what your stadium has to be, whether or not you have to have a stadium or not. Whether All we say is just do, do things that are right for the players and let it evolve the way you want in your market. Yep. It, it's, it, 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 it's pretty basic stuff. But it, in this top-down controlled sport, it's a bit revolutionary. And because of that, what we see is this process going on where people are trying to say, that can't be right. Say it again. Say, I, 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 you couldn't have mean that, right? So that we're, we're kind of going through that process now to get to this, to this point. But I, I, think, I think it'll flesh itself out. We've had some, I, I don't know that we've had, and this is saying something, I don't know that we've had People come back to us and say, "No, this isn't for us. This doesn't work." Of of the of the teams that I've spoken to so far, of which there are more than a few, not one group has come back and said, "Yeah, you know, this just doesn't sound like something we want to do." Doesn't How? work for us. Now, obviously, look, obviously, seeing and believing are too often, you know, two separate things. You say it, great. I want to see you do it, but I am encouraged by the response so far. How many teams do you want to compete next year? Oh, that's a good question. I want as many teams to compete 
as want to compete. Like I twist any sentence on you, by the way. So don't, yeah, yeah, no, I I've don't, noticed don't, that. Don't, don't give me low hanging fruit. No, you know what? It, I, ideally, ideally, we would have a group of teams so the team around different regional areas, so yeah. the teams didn't have to waste a lot of money and time and effort traveling. This is a big stretch, yeah. right? You throw a team, you throw a team on a plane. I mean, by the time you get back, it's hundred grand, right? So if if so i would ideally like whatever that is so we would like to have regional teams so where we were for example for us we play up and down the coast we might travel we might have visiting sides come in and see us if a, a team was coming in to to play canada uh we might ask for a match against that team uh yeah. leading up to that um you know and i hope i'm kind of leading into the level of you know rugby that we're trying to play here and so we really want to find a group of teams that are committed, but that are close around. So back to numbers. If, if, if we, if we did the 2024 season with eight, 10, 12 teams, I think, I don't know about Curry, but Ralph would be happy. Um, if we, if we 10 years from now had 30, 50, 80 teams that were in this thing, then I would go away and, you know, retire a happy, happy guy. Because you think about the number of people that has a chance to impact. And, 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 and right? I don't believe in, in charity. I don't believe in, in giving people things. I think it, I think it, my kids won't hate, will hate to hear me say that, but I don't believe in giving people stuff. But I do believe in offering a hand up. So what we're doing is giving, a hand up, we think to people, not a handout. And so if we can do that to the individual, then we can do that to the teams that are now struggling trying to figure out what the right model is. And the right model for them is the model that they determine is right for them, not a cookie cutter that we impose upon them. Mm -hmm. That's a big difference with this. <laughs> well, Ralph, I'm still waiting to hear who you're sending your golden invite Same. to, your Same. guaranteed <laughs> opponents <laughs> for Curry's the Vancouver time-traveling team definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you know what? I don't want to, you know, like I said, I said, I said to Curry, which is why I was admonishing him there, we came on and we're not, we're not here to, to, to brag or to anticipate or things because what we're talking about in that circumstance in the golden ticket is an agreement between two two organizations that have to come together, and it would be rude of us in the extreme to mention anybody uh, and then have them come back and say, "Well, why did you say that about us? You know, we're really not interested in it." Whatever it is, and you have to have respect for this, and that's that's part of what we're trying to bring to the piece. Like I say, we didn't want to comment on a bunch of things tonight. One of them is we don't comment on other people's stuff. We sign an agreement with somebody, we'll announce it. We'll be proud of who we announced. You're going to be, I think, excited about it when you see it. And and I think what you're going to find going forward is that there is a great future for rugby in this Canada, in, in this country, and in North America. And it doesn't have to sit around, you know, lovingly gazing off into 2031 when the World Cup might come and fix everybody's problems and woes. Because eight-year business plans, in my experience, are wild ass guesses and uh and yeah. you know and worse so you know the here and now we'll tell you the second i'll tell you this you guys back in 2025 
we'll come on here and we'll make the announcement here. If you're happy. All right. Sounds good. We'll hold you soon. Deal. I'm in. Yeah. Can't wait to find out what zombie team you guys are playing. That's gonna be a good it's it's gonna be a good one. It'll be it's gonna be a good one. It's gonna be a good one. All right. Well, yeah. we're definitely looking forward to seeing what the Vancouver Highlanders will be doing in 2024. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for joining us for this interview. Unfortunately, as we said, the season for the Highlanders uh, and the Rugby Players uh, Challenge will be beginning in May of 2024. That's quite a bit of uh, time away. If you are looking to watch any rugby in the meantime, we have these events coming up over the next few months. We have the new HSBC 7s begins this weekend in Dubai. That is available on CBC Gem. The Premiership and URC is available on Sportsnet Plus. But also coming up is the Champions and Challenge Cup. That is available on epcrugby.tv. And recently, as has been announced, there is the weekly round of Premiership Women's Rugby on the Rugby Network. A lot of Canadian women taking part in that, so make sure to be able to check those out. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out more, as well as our written pieces on our website, therougerugby.ca. We also have our podcast on Spotify, S4P, and Apple Podcasts. We have our YouTube channel at The Rouge Rugby with episodes of the podcast as well as extra interviews with players and coaches. So make sure to like and subscribe and hit the bell notification to stay up to date with all of our videos. We are also available across social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Threads, all at The Rouge Rugby. Curry, Ralph, if people want to find out more about the Vancouver Highlanders, where can they go for that information? VancouverHighlanders.com Or RugbyPlayersChallenge.com as well. We're on, we're on, we're on X. We're on Instagram as well. But if you've got some questions and you you want to you want to do your own, it's right there. VancouverHighlanders.com. Like Ralph said, every word in there is very intentional. That website serves a purpose. And Derek, where can the fine people find you on social media? Uh, at Brissette the Jet uh, across all social media platforms. And you can find me across social media at Hardman. It's about H four R D M A N. And as we said, this is our final episode of 2023. It's been a uh, interesting year, <laughs> to say the least. Um, we did plan on taking this break before news earlier this week came out. Um, we will be taking time away. We will still be active on social media, um, but we will be back in 2024. It may be a bit different than it has been for the past few years. But we're still going to be supporting Canadian rugby in all its forms. And once we know what we want to do, we will share that information with all of you. So, Curry, Ralph, thank you again for joining us on this episode. Derek, as always, thank you for joining me. And thank to you, uh, viewers and listeners, for joining us for another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast, where we talk about real Canadian rugby. We hope you can join us again next year and next time. Thanks, guys.